I really also really liked that it was Black Love. That was great. Um, but I don't know. They talking about this shit cost $212 million to make. Not with that group scene that I saw. Not with that group scene. Because where that CGI looked like, that was done right before they turned this in. Yeah, that was that was a bad scene. I won't. That was not that was that was not it. I mean, but again, it's the MCU. What do you expect? They said two hundred and twelve million dollars. Where is yeah, that going? They've been saying that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've got it. I love the episode. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. Iceman. Oh, okay. I know that's right. Yeah. We love Iceman. You, do. you know. You know what? You, you know what? Let's pause for a second. Oh, I don't know. You. You be. You like to go up yes. and down. Yes. On... Yes. I do. I do. I'm a little shaky on her. But I was actually going to say the opposite for you. I've been noticing on Twitter. You've been staring at it lately. <laughs> I have been. I was like going really back. Going up for Bobby. I don't know why I was like randomly going back and reading some Pride issues from Marvel and obviously Iceman is like a big gay character for them so he popped up in it and I kind of started going back and I was like thinking about his characterization so I was like let me kind of just read a bunch of his stories it started out because I was also looking I was like Iceman has had a lot of solo books from Marvel um a lot of like miniseries a lot of like pushes and things like that and I was like oh this is really interesting so I went back all the way not too far I just did to the scene of Grace run and then I like and I got all the way back up to the like most recent uh, Infinity comic he had, and it just really was watching that kind of self-actualization and realization in Bobby in real time of him being this awkward gay character into like now kind of being this boy who's like at the circuit parties and like kissing guys on the street after he saves the day. And I was like, oh wow, this is a really awesome story arc for this character. And it's like very true to life. And again, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, this is why comics is good. And this is like why going back and reading them is like always such a fun time because you can connect these little dots of these things that at one point in time, it seemed like, oh, this characterization was kind of odd or it was awkward or something like that but again people come back and they follow up on that and they make it feel more elevated and it really does feel like true to life so it was dope and i was just like think about Iceman in general i like bobby yeah he's a great character i think his thing was always that he was like the comedic relief of the team he was the joke he was always kind of insecure but again like after the whole gay reveal and he kind of came to terms with himself we're seeing this character fully actualized fully realized he's probably not going to be the next big leader of the team but he is confident in himself to know that a he's strong he's powerful he can save the day he can do what needs to be done and i was like look at this yes you know i remember when he did come out and it was finally time for his younger self to go back home and the two had that meeting and the older one cried and the ice cube fell down. Yeah. Talked about how like, you know, you were like, you're living the life I always wish I wanted to have. I thought that was really nice. And then, um, you know, my started clicking down for Bobby for me was when he was doing that unsure era afterwards and he was a little annoying mm-hmm. to me. 
which is something I probably have to work on. <laughs> because, <you> know, <laughs> yeah. every, everybody's on their journey. Their journey. To, <laughs> they got to go through their journey. Um, I have to let people go through their journey. Um, but now he's, <laughs> I feel the rush. Okay. As he should be. And and even so, like what you say about having to accept the characters on their journey, I think that can be a difficult thing in the time because comics, uh, especially for a comic like Marvel, these are long form stories. They haven't rebooted, they haven't started over, they haven't done anything. So we'll probably read stories that are very dear near to our heart and they have a certain type of uh, characterization attached to it. And then when we come back years later and it's like, oh, okay, well, She's not acting like how she did in 93 when they were fighting, you know, the technists or something like that. But it's like, again, if we're going to treat these characters as real and like this is what they got to go through, they're going to act a little different. And uh, it's, again, it's just cool to see. Yeah, let the characters grow. How are you, by the way? <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, I've been immersed in, outside of my Iceman comics, I've been immersed in the Barbie press junket. I really, yeah, I think, I've, you know, I, I love movies. I love, well, I do love them. Um, I love like press tours and things like that. I love watching the actors stuff. I really like Greta Gerwig. I really like Margot Robbie. I really like Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, Issa Rae, you know, so many people. And it's just been a good time. Like all the interviews are good. They're having fun. Um, Greta Gerwig is like, I love hearing her talk about her processes for the movies and like making the sets and like her thought of, they did this thing every Sunday, they would play movies on the set that kind of inspired the film and she just did an interview with Letterboxd where she went over some of the movies that she was talking about and like how she got into it and it was just like yes this is what I'm talking about this is cinema I was like <laughs> oh Hollywood's going out with a bang Hollywood's <laughs> <laughs> <is> going out <laughs> that is for sure but that's um, that how are you I'm good I um you know been chilling getting better I'm good looking that's forward good. to some things later on in the summer I'm trying to like plan out stuff that I could do later the one thing about me is I always talk about how much stuff I want to do but like the thing is if you plan it you'll do it <laughs> but I'm the, I'm the kind of person that's like oh well I'll figure it out as it gets closer but then it's like two uh-huh. days before and it's like oh well now you are rushing to figure out if you can do it when you could have mm-hmm. planned it so I'm trying to like plan trips and stuff and all that extra stuff in advance yeah, I'm a planner, so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that lifestyle. <laughs> I, like to, I like to have all my ducks in a row, all my affairs in order. Like, I'm probably going to call just to make sure everybody knows what's going on. I'm very, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> but I'm getting better. <laughs> but all right, let's go ahead and get into the updates of the week. Okay, um, Marvel Games and EA's latest studio, Cliffhanger Games, have recently pr- announced a third-person single-player Black Panther game, which uh, is in development. Now, let me go ahead and say first and foremost before we get into thoughts on this, y'all know how video games are. This is probably not coming out for another decade. <laughs> but um, yeah. I do think it's pretty cool to see that Black Panther would have a And this is like the second or third one he's got announced, isn't it? This this was the one where I think Marvel recently announced they had like a three game deal with EA. It was an Iron Man game, a Black Panther game, and I think the last one may have been Thor or maybe something unannounced yet. Um, but this is 
different from this um, Captain America Black Panther game where you're like playing Cap, I think, in like maybe the 30s or something. And it's like an old Black Panther. And you also get to make your own character. Malaje. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think you get to make, I think you get to create your own Dora Milaje in that Black Panther Captain America game. Now, this current one created by Cliffhanger Games, this is a new studio under EA. Um, so it's not so much to say about them, but there were speculations about what you could do with Black Panther because they kept saying Black Panther and not T'Challa specifically. So people were wondering if they were doing like a you're you're the Black Panther, like you're taking on the man. Oh, I did see some character. discourse around that, and people were talking about are they gonna have different skin tones in the game? Pick <laughs> a white person. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> it is like be serious. Why would you want to do that? Like, be serious <laughs> right now. But, like, also, that's just kind of funny to me. You know, when you think about games, and you think about the creative character models and, like, Black people, how they have asked, or people of color in general, how they have asked for certain things in games, and, like, now here comes this Black person, Black Panther game, and people are like, oh, are you going to be able to make a white person? I'm like, no! <laughs> <laughs> he is called Black Panther. Be for real. <laughs> um, are you excited for this game? Would you pick it up? Is it the kind of title? Third-person Black Panther game? I do like third-person games. I, I will say, like, even though the Avengers game is not my favorite, I do really like Black Panther in that game, his moveset and how he moves. So, like, if they could, um, like, if I saw something similar to his gameplay movement in this new game, I'd definitely mm-hmm. be into it. But even so, I'd probably be interested. I love an open world. Let me not say that. I don't love a too open world. Like, I do like an invisible wall every now and again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I like them in general, so I would still definitely probably play. catch it with your. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> so I'll put this controller down. Um, all right. Uh, in comic book news, we've recently learned that Ms. Marvel, the new mutant, written by Aman Vanali, I'm sorry, Aman Balani, Sabir Pirzada. And art by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorman and covers by Sarah Pacelli will be coming August 30th. So this is um, Aman writing Ms. Marvel, The New Mutant. Um, we kind of all knew this was coming, <laughs> you know. Um, it was not a big surprise. From Pack anyone. it up, armor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, this is going to be hard for her. It's going to be bad for a lot of them now because Ms. Marvel's star shines pretty brightly. Um, so um, we all kind of knew that Ms. Marvel was going to be changed into a mutant um, because we know Synergy is undefeated. Um, once they made her a mutant in the MCU, people speculated it was only a matter of time before they do the same in the comics. And now with everything the mutants have going on, as far as resurrection, it's the perfect time for them to, they need to go ahead and make that happen. I like the hard light constructs. I'm sorry, you're not going to shake my mind. <laughs> you know, you're not going to change. You know how I feel about hard light, so... <laughs> no, that's true. Yes, yes, yes. I'm definitely off of the constructs. I love the I'm way when she was, like, running on the steps when she saved that kid, when she was trying to save that kid, when she made the giant hand with it, when she was doing her little blast. Like, it's hot. I don't know. Maybe that'll be I her, like, like mutation. Like, maybe the maybe she'll be a hybrid mix, because I've been seeing them say that they're obviously not retconning her in human origin, so maybe something's going to come in, like, 
you got a little, we did see, I remember in that Sins of Sinister one shot, at the beginning of it, they had like something where they were injecting people with the next gene, so maybe she'll get something like that, and that creates the hard like construct powers. But I'm here for Miss Mutant. That's all I'm <laughs> I'm here for it too. I think that would be great. I feel like people were afraid of her be joining the mutants and falling into the background because that's where everybody is who isn't, you know, Storm or Wolverine. But um, I don't think that they would take that from Kamala. She's already too much of a, like, solo star for her to just fade into the background. She would just either A, become a new solo character within the X office, and she would just still be doing her own thing. Her, stu- her stuff in New Jersey. They're not going to take her from her parents, y'all. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's still she's a kid. Still, she's still going to be Kamala doing whatever, going wherever. I don't know. It's it's sometimes she could probably show up for the events. And, and now, with the, now the next time they do AVX, because we all know they love a sequel, she will be the one that's like, oh, which side do I join? Because I've been friends with them so long, but I'm a mutant now. And that's Civil War Three, the Inhumans versus X Men Redux. <laughs> you know it's coming. Don't put it out there now. <laughs> but you know it's coming. Oh my gosh! Yeah, she's like the middle point. They're like fighting for her. Like, who do you choose? What are you going to do? And she's going to have to come up with a third way, and then she'll make another uncanny like Avengers or like uncanny champions team or something like that, and it'll be Inhumans and X Men mixed together. I see the vision. Why is the man not on Kenny Champions? <laughs> <laughs> I Ooh, see that would be funny to me. <laughs> there was a lot of casting that happened in uh, for Superman Legacy. We already know that David Corrin Sweat has been cast as Superman, and Rachel Brontanen is Lois Lane. I mean, Lois Lane. But now we've learned that Nathan Fillion has been cast as Guy Gardner, Isabella Massad as Hot Girl, Eddie Gortegi as Mr. Terrific, and Anthony Kerrigan has been cast as Metamorpho. And this all comes out for now, <laughs> July 2025. We'll talk about why it might get pushed back shortly. But um, a lot of casting news, a lot of superheroes added. We've seen that James. Like, why there's so many characters in this movie? And his response was, Superman's story is a life of Clark and Superman. And Clark's story is about who he interacts with on, like, the human side. He needs other superheroes. So Superman needs other superheroes to interact with on that side. So this, these are those characters. Um, you know, I feel like it's a lot of characters in this. Um, for them to all have these different moving points. For some of them, I do wonder how much of the, like, general public will know them. You know, we did get a taste of people looking at the JSA in the Black Adam movie, but I feel like did nobody know who those were except the comic book readers, um, so that, like, the general audience didn't really click with these characters. They were also being led by someone that people, the general audience really didn't know. They just knew the rock. I agree with that, but I don't know. I also feel like we've kind of gotten to this point in the superhero medium and just like movies and all these things coming out where we're going to have to start getting those characters that people just don't know. 
Yeah. Like, I think we've hit a lot, a lot, a lot of the big guns, and we have seen Superman now in however many contexts. We have seen our live-action Wonder Woman a few times. We have gotten, like, Batman ad nauseum. You know, if they really do want to continue this trend of trying to make these franchises, like, long-standing and big, you have to start introducing new people, and, like, you're just not going to know who new people are. Yeah. Um, are you into any of these casting choices? Any of these actors? Um, I like the Mr. Terrific casting, of course. Like, you know, that's my boy, so I'm excited to see him. And then, you know, shout out to that guy. He's going to get the for me. <laughs> oh, they already, they already <laughs> started the memes of him as Darwin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, like, I get it, girl. y'all. Yeah, the Hulk girl casting, I think, is cool as well. Um, I'm interested. Like, I don't think... Yes, we did. Let it go. <laughs> Just go ahead and move on. Uh, the rest, Damn. I'm excited to see what we got. The Metamorpho one, I think Metamorpho being in the movie is cool. I, I have, like, an affinity for him. I'm not going to say, like, I'm a huge fan or, like, I'm a big whatever, but, like, I've read I can see that. And I think he's cool in those. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nathan Fillion, I think, is a weirdo, but so is James Gunn. So that makes sense why he cast him. That's also his prayer. So, <laughs> um, whatever. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting movie when it gets comes out. Allegedly supposed to be coming on July 11, 2025. But, um, you know, we'll see if that happens. Because we've also learned that SAG-AFRA has decided to also strike. So no actors are allowed to film right now. And a lot of them have been um, discouraged from going to conventions like San Diego Comic-Con or any kind of, they can't make any kind of press things right now because those are also all like SAG obligations. So all that stuff is done. Yeah, it cut the Barbie press tour down. They had two more stops left. One was in New York and one was in Berlin, but like they had to finish in London, <sighs> which like we support, baby, go on strike. If I Get like if anybody, if everybody else wants to go on strike, I'm absolutely down for that. Like, just no, I need burn to it all down and let's start over. This <laughs> way to go on strike, I will absolutely do it with you. So, shout out to the actors for that. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. If you have a reality TV show idea, now's the time to, like, try and go get that <laughs> <laughs> If you and your friends think you are the next hottest thing on the street and, like, oh, you want to watch guys for antics and y'all are going to be giving it, y'all are going to be fighting in the clubs or doing anything like that, this now ended up with Zeus. Time. Like, now, <laughs> if you need to call Natalie Nunn and get your Zeus contract, now is the time. Natalie is about to strike. <laughs> I guarantee there's about to be 80 different Baddies. <laughs> I might be one of them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> baddies DC. We're going to have a Baddies, baddies London. Oh, my God. Could you imagine a Baddies Cocoa? <laughs> oh, yes. That would be good. Oh, that's actually... I like that. That should be a real match. <laughs> that would be good. Um, we've also learned that Bob Iger, who has recently said that he thinks a lot of the um, demands from the actors are unrealistic. Demanded from the actors and writers is unrealistic, even though he makes $27 million a year. That's just his salary, not on top of everything else that he gets. Um, he says that Marvel Studios, um, when they increase their movie output and introduction to TV shows, is diluted audiences' focus and attention. Basically, they put too much shit out, and now people don't know what to watch. Um, I feel like 
he may have ate that one little thing. <laughs> <laughs> I may have give him. I may give him that one thing. I do think that they put out a lot of content, and they did not need to put out a lot of content. I think they used a lot of it to kind of get them through the pandemic. Um, but I still think that they didn't need to do all of that. They could have consolidated a lot of their funds and not need all those shows. We still do not need an Echo show coming out. Like, I feel like you just kind of wasted money at this point. Like, I think we could have slimmed it down. But I think he said that they're going to slow down. Honestly, you ain't had no choice. <laughs> so... I was about to say, like, we were always getting this message that you guys wanted to kind of, like, stop putting out as many movies or shows as you did because you wanted to focus more on the creative content. But at the same time, you were still announcing 15 shows at a time. So it was like, what do you expect? But again, like, now we're striking. Shut up. It's all shut down now, so. <laughs> right, it don't matter. The people made the choice for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come right back. That's a whole lot. Although I've been hearing some rumors that there's apparently going to be some Aquaman news or movie and comics at San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, I'll be there. I want to visit we'll Donna DC panel. I we'll think I'm gonna go to that. I doubt, of course, none of the actors will be there, but I heard that they're probably gonna release some footage, maybe. Oh, but then again, I don't know. They're on strike now, so everything might have just <laughs> completely kiboshed. I think they should still do at least for the comics event because, again, it is a comic con, so that would be great to see. But who knows? I'll let y'all know when I go. Please do. All right, everybody, welcome back for another week of comics. And we had a little bit of a small week this week, but we'll get into some of our mentions and our mains. Uh, Immortal X-Men number 13 came out. That is the prelude to Fall of Krakoa. And let me tell you, or Fall of X. And Krakoa been falling for a while now. Yeah. I feel like we've been talking about this for months. But <laughs> the gala is coming soon, and I think that's finally going to be the big kickoff before we get into it. Um, This issue had a lot of, like, just things coming to a head for the council and like where they sit and what they've been doing and how they act and some infighting. It was pretty exciting if you love the drama about it all. Um, some choices were made, so check that out. Choices were made. Um, new elections need to be held. New elections need to be held. Celine was around for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, being, being annoying, per usual. <laughs> um, Rogue and Gambit number five came out this week. Also, that was the conclusion of their little five-issue miniseries that happened. There were some interesting developments with Destiny and uh, not Destiny and Gambit, uh, Destiny and Rogue and Manifold. And someone who like the whole premise of this was they had to go and find him for whatever reasons. And Destiny's machinations came to a hold. As a fan of Rogue, how do you feel about the Rogue and Destiny relationship and how it's been written in this era? Um, it I feel like it was written kind of late, <laughs> you know, um, they didn't do a lot of interactions at all throughout the Kukoi, or Rogue didn't factor into a lot of this. Um, I really, really wish Hickman would have gone with his original plan in Inferno, where he was going to have Rogue be the one to resurrect Destiny um, and kind of use everybody's powers to do that instead of having Mystique, you know? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if I believe that. 
<laughs> you think you made that up? I know he like, said it, but I feel like he kind of made that up just to like on the spot. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm gonna choose to believe him. Um, I think that that would have been nice to see. Um, but I do think their relationship kind of came a little bit late. I do like I've seen that Rogue say Destiny and Gambit are kind of alike because what they care about the most, they really want to protect. Um, I thought that was really a great point for Rogue to make because the two of them do butt heads. Um, I think it's funny. Um, so I'm okay with the way that Destiny and Gambit and, of, and Destiny and Rogue are written. And that neither one of Rogue's moms likes Gambit. Which, right. I mean, it's fair. Right. How are you feeling about their relationship? Because this mini kind of put them in a bit of a rocky spot. It was very forced. So, like, I feel like it's nothing. It's kind of a moot point because by the end of it, they were back together being what they normally do. Rogue, again, kind of showing how much I love her and relate to her because she can't cook. <laughs> it's very real. I'm not the best cook. If I cook for you, I like I'm in love. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Noted. Amen. Noted. Being rogue dude, she was, you know, in the kitchen trying to whip up a little something for her man. And they kissed at the end. And which I do appreciate them showing again as her having control of her powers. Yeah, because um, I know that's an up and down battle as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scarlet Witch number six also came out this week. That was the issue where she goes to space. She visits her son-in-law and yeah Wiccan was was there too but Wiccan's not really her son and I like why you don't like calling (laughs) (laughs) I know he got his own mama but that's his mom he be calling her mom he he, he did he said it here in this issue as well (laughs) and she was like that's my son they had tea Um, but basically you know Wanda gets people coming through the red door and someone came through and it was uh, she had an issue with Hulkling and that whole like regime regime, and so they got put on a mission together. It was a cute issue. We can do. He used his powers once and then went to tea with Wanda. They had a nice little moment, so that was fun. Um, and then Moon Knight number twenty five also came out. That is like leading up to what they've been calling the end of Moon Knight. I thought you said Tijuana, but you said tea with Wanda. <laughs> I was like, why did they go to Tijuana? <laughs> I was like, oh, they was partying, but okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <with Wanda. laughs> yes, tea with Wanda. Um, and then Moon Knight 25 came out this week as well. That is like a big story, giant size issue. It had a few different things going on. Moon Knight is trying to rescue someone. He's got all of his enemies have kind of joined up to fight him in this almost like maze type of Saul situation. They're all coming at him with different things that he's just like knocking him back. Um, also, while that is going on, we get his villain Zodiac who's in prison. He's dealing with some of the prisoners there because Black Spectre has returned and he's like combating with Zodiac. Zodiac's like, nobody's going to kill Moon Knight but me. And then there's also a flashback story taking place that introduces Layla, the Scarlet Scarab who appeared in the Moon Knight cartoon. And like, we see him and her two other guys on a mission together and like how they interacted and like we're leading up to things. There's going to be another miniseries coming out soon called City of the Dead and that is going to be like her big story. So be sure to check that out if you're interested in her. Uh, those were a couple of our mentions. We'll head into our main book. We only got one and it's a part of your reread this week and that is the authority number 11 from Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Okay. Um, so this is again more action-packed series. Last issue ended with there being this like big triangle in the sky, this alien um invasion basically coming because they used to own Earth. 
they had already kind of destroyed stuff on the moon, but Apollo took care of that. And there was this like weird terraforming stuff happening in Africa and the engineer was taking care of that. So um, Apollo, I'm sorry, Janie Sparks is like having a cigarette, <laughs> trying to clear her mind and figure out what to do. She ends up telling Apollo to like meet this thing that's out in the sky because there's this other like giant pyramid that's like I said, that they had seen in the sky. She says, Apollo to go check it out. Um, engineer, she'll come and meet you up there. You've been obviously reminded that this is like the now, I think the early 2000s when this came out, like literally 2000, um, because Engineer isn't transformed into this like sleek looking thing to get into space. She's literally turned into a like spaceship <laughs> with the big uh, launching pad or whatever on and she's like jumping up into the sky. It's very giving like 2000s. She meets up with Apollo and they go out there and kind of check out this um, big pyramid in the sky. They do a little recon. They say we aren't able to kind of get through this. They meet back up with everybody there. Um, they meet back with everybody on the carrier. The Jenny Sparks is like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. She ends up sending out this big telepathic message to everybody on Earth saying, this is the authority. Um, don't be alarmed by the big triangle in the sky. We're going to go take care of it. But while we're gone, be good. <laughs> um, so they end up going and trying to figure out how can they get into the big pyramid. Um, engineer ends up like connecting with the carrier. And this is their ship that like is basically everywhere at once. It's been passing through all these different universes all at one time, but no one's been able to drive it. They just kind of kind of ask it to do something and they do it. But this time engineer finally decides to kind of like use her machine body. Y'all know how that does when they like connect with the machine and like, you know, they turn into like cables and stuff and connect with everything. She does that. And she ends up being able to control the ship, brings up a control panel for Swift to use. And then they kind of guide it to this triangle and try to figure out how to get in. That's how the issue ends. Um, again, more like team building. You see a lot of their personalities with stuff. I will say that like Midnighter isn't used a lot in this as much as I thought. For him to kind of be the breakout star more recently, especially with between him and Apollo, I'll be honest, Apollo's my favorite, but Midnighter is the one that is always getting used. He's not used a lot in this authority run. Um, he, Apollo he, is the one who gets used a lot. He comes around a little bit later to do stuff, but again, I think the big thing about Midnight was just that cool factor. Like, yeah. you know, he was gay Batman, and so that was really exciting for a lot of people. And then once that kind of kicked off, he started getting his own books as well. Mm -hmm. So he was like, had his solo stories, his miniseries happening going on. And I feel like those were some of those times where it was like, if this character is doing whatever in their own situation, they're not going to be doing as much in this. I feel like it also may be a sign of the times because mm -hmm. during this early 2000s, there was a lot more emphasis on like the superhero and the, especially the like Superman archetypes. So I feel like that might be why Apollo's getting used more, being shown and doing all these kind of feats, whereas the Batman archetypes are a lot more popular more recently and that's why, like you said, gay Batman, Midnighter gets really gay Batman. It's, um, <laughs> it's also like so interesting to hear you talk about this issue and like think about Jimmy Sparks smoking a cigarette and how that's not something. Oh, like, I didn't even think about that. Today because that's things like smoking cigarettes, drinking, they've like tried to move a lot of characters away from those type of situations. And I just oh, think wow, that's really. I forgot all about that. But like, yeah. they completely 
moving away from the cigarette. And they show her like she was truly like she was puffing. <laughs> she was stressed. It was like I need a cigarette and it's like puffing. That's why I forgot about that. See, this is really been a fun reread to really kind of see the differences there. Um, it's interesting when they're going to adapt this because the rumor right now was that Jack Hawksmore, the the city boy, is the one that they were going to make black. And I don't know how I feel about that. You hate city boy. <laughs> it's not even just the hate because I feel like they would end up doing something kind of racist with because he gets the city. power from the city. Yeah, it, I, mean, I feel like you know what type of city he gonna be from. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You see where I was going, so I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but again, we'll see what they end up doing. But yeah, really fun issue. Um, Brian Hitch's art again isn't like bad for me here. Like I don't know, it's not like you've been riding for it. It's not as bad as it is now. <laughs> <laughs> If not, I don't know. Um, again, it's because there's no black people in this. But one issue, I would give it probably a three out of five. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Everybody keep checking out for the authority. Um, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come on back. Let's do it. Everybody's not powerful. And that's okay. That is A-OK, actually. It's actually preferred over here. Now I like mine to be powerful. But, <laughs> you know, with limits. <laughs> I like a limitation and watch them try to, you know, work around that limitation. But not everybody does. Everybody likes an Omega. Anyway, all right, y'all. Welcome back to the watch section of the show. And again, we are um, watching Secret Invasion. This was episode four, and it was uh, directed by Ali Salim and written by Brian Tucker. And uh, Brian Tucker has been pretty much the writer for most of these episodes so far, um, or co-written them. <clears throat> and I don't, I don't know what to say. This shit is boring. Like. <laughs> This was not very good. I did like the, before we get into like the synopsis of it all, I will say that I enjoyed the Fury and Priscilla scene. I liked the way that both of those actors portrayed that scene. Um, they were really great. I really also really liked that it was Black Love. That was great. Um, but I don't know. They talked about this shit cost $212 million to make. Not with that group scene that I saw. Not with that group scene. Because where that CGI looked like, that was done right before they turned this in. Yeah, that was that was a bad scene. I won't. That was not. That was that was not it. I mean, but again, it's the MCU. What do you expect? They said two hundred and twelve million dollars. Where? Yeah, that going? they've been saying that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've got. I love the episode. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I loved, again, the scene, like you said, with Priscilla and Nick and just the way they were talking and the intensity of it when they pulled the guns out on each other and, like, shot at the wall the, at the end with the question when she was like, you know, would you still have loved me? Um, all of the stuff that kind of went on into that. I will say, I think that this episode moved to, obviously, it's only six episodes we're getting to the end, so it was, like, kind of rushing through some things, I felt like. The ending scene, the last, like, five minutes of that whole shootout 
that was going on, I think that was definitely the weakest part for me. I felt like the CGI wasn't hit, really hitting, and I just felt like a lot of the story moments didn't really make sense. Like, we see Talos trying to break into this thing, um, or into this car so we can get the president out, and then while this is going on, people are, there's a shootout happening, but even as they get the president out, I feel like nobody else moved. Except they kind of stopped. <laughs> yeah, like everybody else was just like still in the mix of the shootout, and I feel like just story-wise, if the president all of a sudden is like pulled out of this car, I feel like everyone's gonna kind of move, go along with him. You need somebody backing him up, stuff like that. It was like no, everyone was just kind of standing there, even when Gravik, who is a king, and will continue to get my support, like pulled up and had Talos. It was still like nobody else sees Gravik standing right here with Talos and it's like just doing all this stuff. So that was a little bit mocking for me. But other than that, I loved it. The Gaia, her whole reveal, I think we were just talking about last week, you know, the fridging of the women. We saw her, she had already planned for that and she had got her little thing going. So she popped back up and now she's kind of able to move in this space of anonymity for a little while. That was really cool. Even the conversation with her and Talos when they were talking about that, and she was like, you know, how are you going to protect our people? How are you going to do this? And he's coming up with her with some BS answer, like, oh, we're going to talk and we're going to hope for the best. And like her just like being real with him, I am not that girl. I'm not the person that you want me to be. I need that as a man, because the way she was looking at him, she was like, he could not be serious right now. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like <laughs> job. Like, she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really well done. I'm, I don't know. I'm having, to, like, this is what a spy thriller feels like to me. I'm having the time of my life. It was all right. Um, all right, so let me go ahead and read the uh, synopsis. So before she attempted to run away from the rebels, Gaia used Gravik's machine to empower herself with extremist abilities. This allows her to recover from Gravik's gunshot and meet up with Talos. He explains to her that he is planning to ask US, US, excuse me, United States President Ritson to help the Skrulls after they successfully stop the rebels, which disappoints Gaia, who hoped for a stronger plan to find them a new home. Priscilla meets with Rhodes, who is a Skrull named Raiva in disguise, and he instructs her to kill Fury. Both are unaware that Fury is listening to their entire conversation. Fury later confronts Priscilla over this, but they make amends after she reveals that she took an oath to her human counterpart to never harm her lover. Fury visits Rhodes and shares a drink with him to secretly give Rhodes a, li a liquid tracker. Fury and Talos then follow him as he goes to pick up Ritson to, for talks with Russia. Gravik and the rebels attack Ritson's convoy disguised as res Russian terrorists. Fury and Talos extract an unconscious Ritson with the help from the British military, but Talos is wounded in the process. Assuming the form of the British soldier, Gravik stabbed Talos in front of Fury. And again, Rhodey was on scroll watch. Confirmed. He was. I heard his voice last episode. I said, I know that's Rhodey. You did say that. You did say that. That sounded um, like Rhodey to me. Yeah, and so, like, again, like, I felt like we've been waiting for a big score with him. He was the one we were expecting. I felt like, again, it works. It feels menacing. He's a person in power. Like, that's really dope. The scenes with him and Priscilla were cool. I even, like, when they were talking, and she was like, you know, somebody fire Fury. He was like, yeah, I fired him. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, like, you know, those little moments were really cool. Um, but, I, like, yeah. where was Rhodey now? How long have you been a scroll? I can't wait to find out. I think I really do think when, from like that time he got hurt, I think that yeah. would have been the perfect time to switch him out. And they they've been on Earth since the nineties, so they here. He could have been he could have been taken out even before that. 
It was really good. Again, I continue to really love Ben um, Kingsley Adair as a graphic. I think he's just like knocking it out of the park. He's also going to be in Barbie, so you know, go check that out if you want to support. Oh, okay. Um, like he is like killing it. I think the way Gravik moves, the way he just handles everything, the way with the scroll conversations and what they want to do. Like, I don't know about the Groot arm. That movement was the Groot arm was yes, it was what it was. But he should <laughs> like we just move. That's what it is. Um, but yeah, I love it. I like the show. I like it a lot. I'm really excited for the next episode. <laughs> I'm really excited to see kind of like what they do for the next episode. Again, the scroll invasion isn't something that I feel as though. Well, I mean, actually, I guess it doesn't matter. Movies on pause. Nothing else is about to happen. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to be like, you know, as we go and, like, affect the rest of the MCU. But, like, none of that's happening. Gosh darn it. Poor Charlie Cox. That man just Mm -hmm. couldn't have it. Poor Mahershala. Those men, that curse. Boy. I wonder, are they going to hit the scrolls with MCU synergy as well now? Because... Previously in the comics, um, they were always kind of set up to look like the bad guys compared to the Krees and vice versa because they were always beefing with each other. Um, Like their beef goes way back to when they first were like being civilized. Um, I can tell the story really quickly. They, I think it was, I think it was this, the Kotati are these like, y'all read Empire. If you want to know this, it was or if you Ish. didn't, if you did, if you didn't read Empire, basically what happened was these Katati were these like psychic trees, and they came and met the the Kree and the Scroll and were like, "You guys are great, but we want to know which one of y'all is better," and gave them tools to do it. And the Scrolls actually created like all this really great stuff, and the Kree did nothing, <laughs> and then they ended up like killing everybody and fighting, and that's how the whole thing between the two of them. Um, so the Scrolls were never really mean, but like they were always aliens, so they were used to be like the bad guys. Um, but now in the comics, Hulkling like united the Kree and the Scrolls, so they everybody's been kind of in peace. But now in the MCU, the Scrolls are looking like they're taking over Earth, so I wonder if they're gonna match that. Um, and weren't they doing something in Secret Invasion? You talked about that recently with they were in there in Secret Invasion, but it was coming more so to like these scrolls are here on earth they've been here but they don't want to take over they really do honestly just want to live and like have their piece of the pie and so they're going to be like working with maria and stuff like that in the future it seems like which honestly it kind of seems like that was what the root fury tried to take in the beginning so i wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if they try and like redo that the right way this time because he obviously didn't do a good job at it the first one yeah um and maybe they will just let everybody who is there just say Assume a human form of y'all can stay and just stay out of trouble. I mean, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that, would, that would be easy. But I mean, even again, like as Guy was saying when she was talking to Talo, she was like, we want to look like, our, we want to live on our own skin. We want to yeah. see how, you know, I want to walk around green with my ears out. I can't do that. So. And they should still, be allowed to. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. I don't know. I love it. I'm ready for episode five. The action's about to pop up. You know that's the one. It is. It's normally the one, so we will see. This is the finale. Should let us know. Um, and speaking of finales, I want to let everybody know that um, the show will be coming to an end with episode 143. Um, mm-hmm. We've had a fantastic time with everybody, especially all the creators mm-hmm. that we've met and all the other listeners and everything, but we got to take a break now. We may come back. Who knows? Uh, I can't tell the future. 
I am not destiny. <laughs> so, uh, but you. that will be the. You know what? Yes, because there was like, <laughs> there there was never really a time I really liked her. However, there was a time where I think you were trying to convince the people that she was maybe that girl. I think Hickman, the son of it all was great. We're never going to take that away. But I really think Hox Pox and like not seeing Dusty for so long yeah. really was just like, oh, okay. Like, I, and, and as a person who has always kind of seen her for like psychic and precogs and the people who fall on the spectrum, I've always liked Dusty when she's popped up. I'll never forget that in the Crochet arc where she came in and like mm. she was helping work through stuff. Like, I've always thought she was a very interesting character. She's this old lady with her thighs out. I was like, that's hot. <laughs> Hot Spots was hot, but then they brought her back. They made her young. They made her annoying. It was like, never mind. Yeah, she don't really tell people what they need to know. It's just like what they want to hear and what she's lying about. And my thing is, like, I don't even necessarily mind that. But what is the goal? I feel like Destiny and Mystique, Mystique's whole thing has always been like she wanted to bring Destiny back. They wanted to be together. Cool, 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 cool. She came back. Why y'all still here just causing problems? Go off somewhere. Go live in Greece. All they know is problems, so. <laughs> and that's all they bring, so she can go. But we'll see. I don't know. They, the, the streets are saying Mystique is going to die soon, so. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the gala is going to be very interesting. Um, it'll be interesting, too, because that would be our last uh, episode here, so. <sighs> what a way to go out. What a way going out with a bang. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, no, that brings us to the end of the show, so please make sure you guys uh, check us out wherever you get your podcast. Go back and listen to whatever you need to listen to. Um, you can email us at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can watch us on YouTube at Another Relaunch TV. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore at that. All right, y'all, let's get up out of here, and then we'll catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace out.